0: Scripture lesson from today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and I would invite you at this time to turn to uh, Luke chapter ten, uh, starting at verse thirty-eight with me. Um, that is on page seventy-two in our um, uh, pew Bibles. So that's Luke chapter ten, starting at verse thirty-eight. Now, as they, that is Jesus and his disciples, went on their way, he entered a certain village, where a woman named Martha Welcome him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he, Jesus, was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Church, would you pray with me? We confess to you, God, that in many ways our lives are greatly out of balance. We need you and your grace to bring a right order to our living. We need to nurture those parts of both Martha and Mary in each one of us. We need to learn again what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus and to soak in his words for us. We need to learn again how to just simply be and be still and to know that you are God God, in the midst of all of our busyness, we pray that by your grace and your Holy Spirit working in us, that you will help us to quieten our spirits so that we can listen. And God, we ask that we might be able to listen even in these moments, right here, right now. We pray that each one of us will have ears to hear what you are saying to us because we know God that you have a unique, special word of revelation for each one of us in this place this day. So may we hear it and receive it. And then by your grace, may we accordingly adjust our lives. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Martha... Martha you are worried and distracted by many things there is need of only one thing Mary has chosen the better Mary has chosen the better part which will not be taken away from her so, church, the city is the city of Bethany. It's about a mile and a half outside of Jerusalem. It's just over the Mount of Olives. It's a city where Jesus frequently would stay when he would make his journey to Jerusalem. And when Jesus would stay in Bethany, he tended, I think, and I believe the Bible teaches us, stay in the home of his friends, Martha and Mary, And as we know from John's gospel, there's a brother named Lazarus. Obviously, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were people of of some means. Their home had to be big enough to receive Jesus and the twelve. They had to have the means to receive them and show them hospitality. Feed them some meals and put them up. And here on this particular day... It seems as if, as was his custom, Jesus came to town. Jesus came to the home of Martha and Mary. And we see in this text from Luke's gospel two different responses presented to the presence of Jesus. We see Martha's response. We see Mary's response. And I hope that each one of us can find our place here in the text Are we more like Martha? Are we more like Mary? Are we a mix of the two? Does our Martha attitude override our Mary attitude at times? Where are we in this text? I have to make a confession to you. I realized this week as I kept praying over this text that I have spent most of my ministry defending Martha. I just feel the need to defend Martha. I'm so grateful for all the Marthas in our congregation. I'm so grateful for all the work that you do. And, and I and we know that if it we're not for the Marthas in our congregation, there would be a lot that simply would not get done in the midst of our church's activity. I am so grateful for the Marthas. They're the ones in our midst who can cook the meals, they can prepare, they can clean up. They make things happen. And I'm grateful for the Marthas that act to make the ministry of the church possible. As a matter of fact, I'll even confess to you this morning that I've always defended the Marthas, not only because I'm so appreciative of the Marthas, but I really realize that I'm a Martha too, by nature. By nature, I can be so focused on the task at hand that I forget to even look at the people around me. My Martha nature will make me focus on the task and even forget about the presence of God around me or within me. Sometimes I can get so focused on my Martha duties in life that I forget to take time to sit at the feet of Jesus so I confess to you that throughout most of my ministry when I've dealt with this text I think I've tended to spend a lot of energy defending Martha and what I heard the Spirit saying to me this week was simply stop it most of us don't need that Martha side of us to be encouraged Most of us in this culture, this age, needs to have the merry side of us to be encouraged. Most of us know how to get the job done. Most of us fail to realize at times how to sit quietly at the feet of Jesus and just absorb what Jesus has for us. In the text, Martha, Martha offers a good response to Jesus. Jesus is in Bethany, they're in their home, and, and, and Martha's fixing a meal. Martha's doing what she needs to do to, to show great Middle Eastern hospitality to her guest. That is a good response, an important response to the presence of Jesus here in their home. But it's not the best response we see here in the text that Jesus makes it clear that Mary's response is the better response to Jesus. I, I relate to Martha in so many ways. I even relate to Martha's frustration as she's there slaving away in the kitchen under the stress and the pressure of feeding these 13 people, at least 13 people. And in her frustration, she actually, in a way, snaps at Jesus. She's a little bit over the top with her harsh remarks to Jesus because her frustration builds and builds and builds as she works and Mary sits at the feet of Jesus and learns. She comes forth with a response that I suspect that as soon as she said it, if not soon thereafter, she regretted it. We need to be very careful in responding when we are frustrated, when we're angry. Martha did that, and and you hear Martha's words to Jesus, Lord, do you not care? Can you imagine her asking Jesus that? Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to get up and help me. I, 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 I resonate with her frustration. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I always resented it when one of the teachers would give us team projects. Because usually what that meant in high school was I would help the team do the project. I would do most of the work. They would get most of the credit. That's probably the way Martha was feeling here. She's doing most of the work. And over there's Mary just sitting and listening to Jesus Martha's response to the presence of Jesus here in her home was a good response it just was not the better response and we hear Jesus respond to Martha with great tenderness even though Martha responded in great frustration Jesus responded by saying Martha Martha Anytime you see a name repeated like that in Scripture, that usually means the name is being spoken in great tenderness. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. You need to pay attention to where this story occurs in the Gospel of Luke. If you notice right before this story, Jesus shares one of his most famous parables with the crowd. He shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. He shares the parable of the Good Samaritan and he makes sure that the crowd understands who their neighbor is. He makes sure that they understand that their neighbor is anyone in need whose need they can help alleviate. So, Jesus has just propelled them into service to their neighbor. And that's certainly important. That's certainly crucially critical to living the Christian life. We are the Good Samaritans now in the world, but Jesus is so balanced, and Jesus offers us a balance. That is hard for our busy age to achieve. And that's why when Jesus finishes in Luke's account of telling the story of the Good Samaritan. He starts making a turn toward a teaching about prayer. In chapter 11 of Luke's gospel he teaches about prayer. He eventually makes his way to teaching what we call the Lord's Prayer. But between the parable of the Good Samaritan and his teaching on prayer is this account about Martha and Mary. I think Jesus would say that we need some Martha in each one of us. We need some Mary in each one of us. But it is the Mary part of our life that is the better choice. So you hear the words of Jesus speaking to Martha. Martha, Martha. Sometimes if we listen close enough, we can hear Jesus tenderly speaking to us telling us to calm down, take a deep breath, choose the better part. There's a new translation out there now called the Passion Translation. It's a good translation, even though it's only done by one person. It's a good translation, and so far in the Passion Translation, the New Testament and the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs has come out. But I've been using the Passion Translation some lately, and I've been blessed by using the Passion Translation in my study. It's not a word-for-word translation of the Greek. It it is more a thought-for-thought translation from the Greek into English. But I love the way the Passion Translation records Jesus' response to Mary. In the Passion Translation, Jesus says this to, to Martha, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. There's a massive paradigm shift here in in Luke's Gospel we see Martha busy in the kitchen I'm sure there were many people in that culture and perhaps still yet today who thought that was Martha's place there in the kitchen preparing the meal but we see Mary seated at the feet of Jesus as a disciple of Jesus the word disciple just means learner or perhaps apprentice we see Mary there functioning as disciple learner, apprentice to Jesus. And that would have been highly unusual for the first century Jewish community. Actually in the first century Jewish community, we know this from the Talmud and the Mishnah, that women were discouraged from being disciples of rabbis. They could hear all the Torah they needed, all the teaching they needed, in the synagogue when they went but they didn't need to fix themselves to a rabbi like men would do and become disciples of a particular rabbi we see we see Mary doing that here in the text and the first century world received I think a seismic shift when they noticed Mary a female being a disciple of rabbi Jesus and it is Mary who is choosing The thing most important by choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus and absorb what Jesus has to say to listen to what rabbi Jesus has to say she has learned and perhaps Martha has not yet how to live a life that manages our distractions appropriately and that's why Jesus is not going to take this great privilege from her As she sits there at the feet of Jesus and listens. Church, I want to chat with you for just a few moments. I'm going to be very transparent and vulnerable and honest. Because I know how I am and perhaps you're the same way. Our world today is so, so busy. A world filled with so many distractions that we have a very difficult time slowing down the frenetic pace of our lives and spending time in the presence of Jesus. I know that we have a lot that we think we have to do. There's an episode from the life of John Wesley when John Wesley was talking to someone who was participating in an industry for which John Wesley did not have much regard and the person said to John Wesley, well you know I've got to make a living John Wesley said, do you? Just left it at that. Sometimes we're so busy making a living that we forget to make a life. I've often wondered for myself, I've often wondered for each one of us, that when it comes time to leave this world for the world to come, whether we will be able to characterize our lives as lives of devotion to Jesus Christ, are lives characterized by all the distractions of our lives? Again, the distractions come in many different ways into our lives, and there are good distractions, there are mundane distractions, there are bad distractions in life. Uh, We even have to learn, if we're going to embrace the spiritual life, we have to learn how to turn away from some good distractions in order to choose the better and head toward the best. We have to learn how to let go of some good things in life in order to receive the gift of God's best in our lives. It's so important that we learn to manage distractions. And for a lot of us in this culture, that is a difficult task. That's why I think our culture in many ways is so out of balance. We are so busy doing that we fail to ever learn what it means to just be. To simply be in the presence of God. And to listen. To really allow prayer to be dialogue. Where we speak to God and hear from God. I think the goal of life, and it's important we make this decision for each one of us. I think the goal of life is the nurturing of friendship with God. And I realize that the more I nurture my friendship with God, the more that will change me, the more that will impact how I live, the more that will impact how I treat other people. As I grow in that friendship with God, I think that's the goal of life for the Christian, nurturing our friendship with God. And to nurture that friendship with God or anyone else, we've got to spend time in that person's presence. We've got to manage our distractions. If we don't manage our distractions, our distractions will manage us. Again, when we get to the end of our lives, where our lives be characterized by devotion to Jesus Christ, Is is that the way people will remember us? Or will they just be remembering how busy we are as we went about trying to address all the distractions of life? In the monastic world, when monks come together to pray uh, as a symbol and as a reminder for themselves, frequently their habit will include a hood and they rarely ever wear that hood except when they go into prayer then they'll put the hood on and that just reminds them that to a degree they have to block out the rest of the world around them in order to focus on Jesus to spend a few moments at the feet of Jesus if we're not careful in, in our living we will be so busy taking care of what we deem to be urgent that we never get around to what is truly important. Now, a lot of our busyness is good. I tend to be a very busy person. A lot of our busyness is good, but that's also why, because of how I am, a friend of mine had to tell me one day that perhaps a good acronym for busy, B U S Y, is being under Satan's yoke. We need to manage our distractions. We need to manage our busyness because there will come a time when this world will end for us and we'll slip over to the other side. And again, do we want our life here characterized by busyness, doing good things, or devotion to Jesus Christ, paying attention to the most important Things. I remember when I was a young pastor, one of the most formative events of my life was a quick interaction I had with a great preacher one day. Wallace Chapel was a great Methodist evangelist. Wallace now is on the other side, but Wallace was a great Methodist evangelist, as was his uncle Clovis Chapel, going way back now into the 40s and the 50s. But uh, Wallace was still preaching, his nephew, Wallace was still preaching when I entered the ministry. And about thirty some years ago, when I was on the staff of Tammy's Home Church over in Greensboro, Wallace Chapel came to preach a series of sermons for us in a revival experience. And I'm so grateful that Wallace Chapel, there near the end of his earthly ministry, he he saw he saw me as a young, fresh, green pastor, and took me aside one night. And just him paying attention to me, him taking time to pay attention to me was, was transformative. And I'll never forget what Wallace Chappell said to me that night. He said, Jeff, as you begin and enter and live out a life of ministry, always remember that working for Jesus is never a substitute for spending time with Jesus we need to nurture this Mary side of us so church how how is it going your private worship time those times when you pull apart for a while and you sit at the feet of Jesus and worship how is your daily devotional life how is your prayer life Jesus just told the story of the Good Samaritan. We tend to do that kind of thing well, but now he's going to start talking about prayer and learning to sit at the feet of the Master. How, how are we doing with that? Or are distractions pulling us away? I want to encourage you to think about nurturing that Mary side of your life. And if we were honest, for some of us here in this room, if we just made a decision tomorrow to spend five minutes quietly in the presence of the living Christ perhaps with the the written word open before us listening for the living word to come to us through the written word that that five-minute experience would take some effort but maybe that's a good place to start maybe just five minutes And after you've mastered that, or after you've allowed that to master you, maybe go to seven minutes, then ten minutes. Our busyness is important. We do a lot of great things, but can we do what Mary is doing here in this text and pulling aside for just a little while and allowing us to soak up the presence of Jesus and to imbibe the words of Jesus to us? Nick Bingham is one of our members here at our congregation. Nick, or Nixon Bingham, is 95 years old. And he recently wrote a poem that he shared with me. And he told me I could share it with you. And I want to offer you this poem, and I hope this poem will cause us to think a little bit about our life here on this earth. Nick, as I said, is 95 years old. Here's the poem he wrote. I think it's beautiful. A flower lay dead and crumpled on the grave of a loved one who has passed away. Yet the flower will live to bloom again in another time and place as well as the person in the grave on which the flower lay. This journey is going to come to an end at some point. People will be looking at our estates, our checkbooks, our calendars. They will be ruminating over the life that we lived and wondering about the legacy we've left behind. Will they see a life characterized by devotion to Christ or just a life of busyness with all the distractions of life? May God help us with this. May we help each other with this. As we sing the final hymn, may we all listen for the living Christ to speak to us. Let's stand as we sing.